This is the No Flamingo Hockey Podcast brought to you by Shinny and Co. We are your hosts, Cal Wild, T-Bone, and producer Danny. All right, boys, we're back. Another episode, No Flamingo Hockey Podcast brought to you as always by our friends at Shinny and Co. Check out the boys, all social media at Shinny and Co. Let's go around the table, catch up with everybody. We're going to start over with, again, smartest man I've ever met. It's producer Danny. Producer Danny, first time chatting in uh, 2022 on camera. How you doing, buddy? That's right. Happy New Year, buddy. Absolutely, man. How's the New Year treating you? What's new and exciting? You surviving or what? Yeah, we're making it through. We're finding ways to get some sleep. We barely made it through the new year itself. I, I think I put on fireworks on the TV just to get us in the mood, but everybody nice. wants to go down except for the baby. So we're working on it, but we're doing okay. <laughs> early days, dude, early days. Yes, you're, sir. You're, you're walking into, you're walking up a steep hill here, but uh, glad to hear it's all going well, buddy. Uh, great to chat with you. And uh, let's check in. We got uh other side of the virtual table. We got the former assistant captain of the South Winnipeg Monarchs. It's Cal wild cow. How the hell are you, buddy? Oh, we're doing good today, T-Bone. You know, happy uh, yeah, to bring in the new year. Obviously, the restrictions are we don't want to talk about any of that, but uh, it's been not easy being at home altogether. But at the same time, I'm very fortunate to spend as much time as we have. Uh, yeah, with our with our little bubble of, of people. Um, I think New Year's had us drinking a little too much apple cider drink not even juice apple cider drink sparkling apple cider drink nice. and uh yeah, i think we made it to 1203 and that was it so <laughs> uh, huge. exciting year um that's it man that's it can't beat it man yeah we uh we kind of did the same you know rang in the new year in style sitting in the the dining room there uh hanging out drinking some of the adult beverages and I think we had the Dwayne Gretzky concert. They do that every year on New Year's, right? So we used to go down to that in person um, when we were younger, cooler, slash allowed out of our houses. Um, but uh, yeah, they do a great job putting it on virtually a couple of years in a row now. So yeah, no, hey, no real complaints. You, you know, you uh, hopefully at this stage in life, if you've got to be locked down in your family, hopefully you like the people you're surrounded by. If not, that's your own fault. We don't feel too bad for you here at the No Flamingo Hockey <laughs> Podcast. But I want to go back. The assistant captain, South Winnipeg Monarchs. You got to have a story. That's a that's a regal, majestic name. So, what age group was this team, and and what memories do you have of that team there, my man? So that team was, uh, you know, I thank you for bringing me back there, transporting me back there. What a team! Um, some names, notable names: Ryan Reeves. You know, he was my right winger. He was an underager. He had size fifteen feet at I think. Uh, I don't know, maybe 10 years old. Ryan um, Reeves, like current NHL or beat the hell out of you, Ryan Reeves. You're talking that's about him, buddy. I was fortunate to call him my right winger for many of the years. Uh, no way. Years. Yeah. So uh, the other notable name on that team was uh, Cam Barker. Okay. Yeah, right. So uh, a former, former Blackhawk overall pick. Um, yeah. I, I think that team, we just, the Winnipeg AAA loop was pretty small, I guess. I think we had four with the odd mix in of a Thunder Bay team that would come in and play against us. And yeah, for a couple of years, the Winnipeg South Monarchs just ran the table and uh, <laughs> we won a couple of championships. That's huge. Right, what what was Reaver like back there? Was he like thumping guys as a young underager? Or what was he, what was his game all about back then? Yeah. So he would just explode guys. Literally. He was just a monster. His dad, you know, comes from a football background and he would just light guys up and, you know, played super hard was, was big again, as being an underager and a little bit awkward, honestly, I think he was still finding his, uh, 
his, I don't know, his qualities given his size. But yeah, uh, yeah just loved fast, good skater and just loved blowing guys up. It was awesome. That's <laughs> awesome. You know what I mean? But some good chirps and, and uh, loved cameraing guys. It was, it was fun to play with them for sure. I Dude, mean, that's unreal. I remember that year. Sorry for me. This isn't the Cal Wild show, but I, I think that <laughs> draft year, that was our Bantam draft year, the first year of that. And I think I weighed in at five one hundred and one pounds and all these guys were like men and i, mean, I, I think i was <laughs> solid buddy solid yeah yeah decent decent numbers right tip yeah. the scales at, at at uh at triple digits there but uh no the most yeah like i said is the championships we had some great guys um and then we also got to be i think this kind of ties into today's guest we got to be a part of uh the quebec let me make sure i get this right the quebec triple a uh, peewee minor hockey international hockey tournament. It's like that, that's that big one, eh? That like all you hear all of NHLers talking about it now. Like, oh, did you were you in the Quebec tournament? Were you there? How'd you guys do? You're guys talking about it all the time, right? Yeah. So it was exactly it's that it's it's the real deal. Like we were playing in the Coliseum in front of I think at your peewee. I think you're 12, 13 years old, and we're playing in the old Quebec Coliseum. It's packed, <laughs> and we're we're youth, so it was pretty awesome. Um, and like I said, we, I, I, being the stats that I was, I, uh, I'm rambling here, but being, being the size I was, it, it, you know, as much as I wanted to, to move up and keep playing, the scouts were definitely in the stands, but they were there to see some other people. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. So who, who were some of the big names there at that tournament when you were there, bud? Well, honestly, I think I, I, if we were just going to roll right into it, I think today's guest was, uh, he was a part of that same, that, uh, that same draft class, right? He's the same age as me. So, uh, Robbie shrimp was there. Um, again, Barks was a huge prospect. Um, oh man, the list goes down and down and, and it, honestly, any 86, any 86 born that's notable, I can almost guarantee you he was, he was at that tournament. So when you look back, I think I actually have some of the, the, uh, what do you call them? The, the play, not the player books, but the roster books or whatever. Yeah. And sometimes it's fun to know, you know, dive into that, that book of memories and, and just look at some of the guys that we were, you know, sharing the ice with. It's pretty, pretty cool experience for sure. No, that's sick. And this is a dumb quote. I'm guessing Crosby's an 80 seven right does that yeah, make sense for the number seven but he i don't know <laughs> he wears it on his back i was gonna say he's got to be an 87 but him and shrimpy were always going up against each other but i guess it's just because he was coming up maybe underage maybe not at that tournament though i'm guessing eh? what a tournament though what a tournament what a tournament so yeah we'll, we'll ease back into the stats and stuff like that boys it's the first one of the new year we're easing in that's what i love though man i'll say i love that about my friendship with cal here well, there's lots of things i love want to get to say i know somebody knows how to play hockey that's new for me i love that but I bother this guy for every story under the sun. And then still he'll casually just drop like a, oh yeah, playing Ryan Reeves, you know, for a number of years, no big deal. And I'm like, what the hell? Like the next time we get drunk together with hopefully won't be too far away. I'll be bugging you for more of these stories, man. And eventually that'll become a nice episode, a nice, nice episode. We have not gone to air with the cow wild story. I think that's a good little uh, teaser for the fans listening in. That's uh, that's gotta be uh, something we do in the near future here, boys. Yes, sir. Yeah, so as we like to do, a little look back at the previous episode. We had Mike Peluso on with us. Um, we hyped that one up pretty big, lead in saying, you guys are going to love this. You're going to get such a kick out of it. His stories are unreal. Um, and the feedback, it, no surprises. I had so many friends reaching out and, and listeners reaching out saying like that was 
the top episode. I was laughing my ass off. Um, a couple of guys were like that one just seemed really short because the stories were funny as hell. So I was laughing. Next thing I knew it was over. So um, you boys sort of hear the same thing from the, uh, the feedback on Palooza or what? Yeah. I, just again, such a fun episode. People really enjoyed them. And I, th- I think the, uh, I forget how you described it. The, uh, the accident, the, the good accident, whatever you said, <laughs> yeah, the, was, happy accident. Uh, w- the happy accident was just so true. And honestly, like, I'm just so grateful for that interview. It was just awesome to meet that. And when you look back uh, about it, I think we should try to see if there's any, uh, other re- relations in the NHL that we can, <laughs> we can try to exploit as far as our guest list, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> They're all good. They're all good. Um, yeah, I thought that was hilarious. And then we had, uh, I'm going to say it. I think we might have at the no flamingo hockey family here. I think we might have our first super fan. Are we, are we willing to, to say that we have our like top fan, super fan, you guys ready to anoint or are we jumping the gun on that? I, I think so. I mean, it's a new year. You know what I mean? So let's, uh, how many episodes do we have in the bank? Oh, tons and tons. We've got to be at least five deep boys. You know? right. <laughs> but yeah, yeah no, it's, it's a full lineup. So that's I mean, let's, uh, let's do it. Yeah. We're, we're ranking the episodes and our performance. We're now starting to rank our fans in uh, top of the pilots, our boy Connor out in Winnipeg. This guy is super fan central. Um, Maybe we'll link to him. Maybe we'll try to blow up his Instagram. Who knows? You know, sky's the limit for Connor for jumping in with us. But uh, you're, you're <laughs> great, dude. Just great, dude. Always reaching out with such funny feedback, good ideas for episodes, connections, this and that. Um, we love it. And all this just to say, we love all the interaction we're getting to have with all the all the listeners who are kind enough to give us an hour of your week or whatever it is. And um, like we always say, we're having a great time doing it. Just keep the ideas coming. If there's someone you want us to hunt down like a dog to interview, we will go and try to do that. We still need your help on the ladies of hockey. We haven't had a lot of, we haven't had a lot of positive inroads there yet. So we're working our magic. It's moving a little bit slowly, but we want to interview the women of hockey, whoever you want to hear from, let us know. You have connections, let us know. Bit of a repeat from last week, but it's important to us. So we want to make sure that we're uh, that we're getting that out there. Don't be so hard on yourself, T Bone. It's a little bit of a holiday hangover, so they'll come. Mm. You know what I mean? It's uh, That's right. we just got to be patient. We just got to be patient. The ladies, the ladies shall arrive one day. Like a famous speech shoot, my dad shoot. gave me in high school. Uh, <laughs> erase that, Danny. I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> or don't. I don't really give a shit. Um, why don't we throw it over? Uh, start talking about our guests a little bit here, boys, because. I mean, this is just an amazing name that we were able to get on. Um, incredible guy. He's a great storyteller. The first thing you're going to notice, he's just such a pro. Um, so it, it very much reminded me of, I almost felt like it was uh, talking to like a, a current NHL or the way that some of the answers were coming in because he's groomed and he's prepared to answer in such a way. And I think it's, it's a compliment and it speaks to the fact that he's had such an incredible career and that he has uh, such a recognizable name and style in, in hockey. Um it's we've been referring to him as the original Hey Barber. So everyone knows Hey Barber. You go on Instagram, wherever else, Twitter, you see Hey Barber dangling with Barkov and some NHLers just doing insane stuff with the puck, with his stick, picking it up, flipping around, doing insane stuff. But if you go back about what, 10, 12 years, whatever it is, the original doing that was our boy Robbie Shrimp. Everyone remembers, every hockey fan with access to the internet, remembers where they were when they first saw the lacrosse goal. Robbie Shrimp picking it up, dipsy doodling above his shoulders and tossing it in the net. We all said, what the hell was that? Now look what's happening in the NHL. You got the lacrosse popping up from behind the net. You got players getting crazy, innovative out there. But it all started 
this style of flashiness, in my opinion, in our opinion, with Robbie Shrimp. And we were lucky enough to get him on the show. Great guy. Anything stand out that we want to kind of highlight here, boys, or maybe just your quick memories on what it was like talking to Robbie? Yeah, I think with Shrempy, I mean, he was just such a student of the game. I mean, the guy still makes me jealous today. He, uh, the stuff that you're talking about was the stuff that I wanted to do. And I was, like I said, the same draft class. I wasn't in the draft class. I was the same age group, (laughs) but, but, uh, he, he was just the stuff that I was like, Oh my goodness. Like that's what it takes or that. Like, how do you do that? I was just blown away. And I mean, his skill was one thing. He had some pretty uh, swaggy style. It was, you know, I always liked the, the white jets. I thought that was a nice uh, ad. And uh, yeah, the guy just played obviously, you know, as we dove into his, some of his stories, he uh, yeah. I mean, just what, what a pro, like you said, what a career, what a story. Um, you know, what a master truly of his craft. And like you said, a little bit, uh, he's, he predates all these guys. Skill development is such a huge thing now. And it's good to see that he's still involved in some capacity um, because truly he's a, he's a gift to the game. Absolutely, brother. Well said, very well said. Yeah, I was, I was going to sort of say something similar. It's, it's great to hear what he's up to today. Still very involved in hockey. Um, you got to understand when you're listening to this interview, this, he was like, top of the heap in his draft class. Like you're, like you're saying, Cal, and the pressure that goes along with that, the expectations, um, just an incredible hockey journey, something that we feel really, really fortunate to have been able to talk to Robbie about. Um, yeah, he was so kind to share his time from all the way over in Latvia. Um, why don't we do this boys without further ado? Why don't we throw it over to, I'm, I'm willing to say it, throw it over to the most skilled player. We've had the chance to interview yet. It's our boy. Robbie Shrimp. Robbie Shrimp. Awesome. We got the man with us. We got, uh, he's our highest drafted guest. We got our boy, Robbie Shrimp. Rob, how you doing, buddy? Good, man. Thanks for having me on, guys. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. and It's nice to meet you guys. Absolutely. Pleasure is all ours. Pleasure is all ours. I guess best place to start, you're overseas. Where are we catching you? Where, where are you living these days? Where, where are you right now? Uh, I live in Riga, Latvia now, so it was one of my uh, stops on my on my tour. Uh, met met a Latvian girl. We got married, and we actually got married in Portland, Maine. When I, when I came back and played the HL, I think it was 2016, and then uh, yeah, we just moved here uh, in 2020. We came back here and, and set up a little bit. Nice, dude. Latvia, crazy, uh, crazy hockey fans, man. I love like you get the World Cup going or World Championships, whatever going. It's always the Latvian fans is going like ape shit, right? Is that kind of the, is that kind of the vibe over there in general? Just like a good party town, like party country type of thing, or yeah, yeah. No, they're really truly passionate fans. Um, it kind of they got that you know soccer mentality sort of t- uh, fan base. Um, and it was great. They had they did have the World Championships here this year. Uh, it was great. It was great. It's, the rink is actually, you know, basically a nine iron away from my house. So got a chance to go there and see some friends and see some of the games. So it was pretty cool. Unfortunately, there was no fans allowed uh, until like the last, I think that's like it, the, from Wednesday to Sunday. Yeah, the, the tournament was three weeks in the last week from Wednesday to Sunday, there was fans allowed, but um, the fans are great. Yeah. They're super passionate. Love hockey for a small country. There's, it's actually amazing how much, uh, interest or you know hockey participation there is there's a men's league here it's called the enthusiast hockey league it's it's like men's league but they have they have nine divisions <laughs> uh full divisions so it's it's pretty yeah hockey's very uh very live here 
Oh, dude, that's awesome. And like, is, is the program all over you now? Like they know Rob Shrimp's in town. It's like, when are you going to come coach this, this program and teach our guys some of these moves or what, or, the, or are they kind of leaving you alone? Yeah, no, I'm actually doing it with one team. My buddy, uh, I play golf with and he, he's 30, he's 31 and 32. Now he, he stopped playing hockey at seven and he just picked it up this year. So I've been working with him and, and doing some stuff just as like go to the shooting room together. And if I get on the ice or if I have extra ice, I'll, he comes out with me. So, um, he's on a men's league team. They could call amateurs. He's on an amateur team. And I, I go out and practice with him on Thursdays and I get some drills for him and stuff. So it's fun. It's pretty cool. I'm going to actually do some, some video stuff with him. I'm bringing the video, video, uh, video coaching stuff to a men's league team. It's going to be my first sample size with this level. So we'll see how it goes. That's hilarious. Are you still That's playing a- in that rec league? No, I played last year and it's, it's a considered pro. Now I didn't realize the, uh, the uh, seriousness of it. Um, mm. Oscar Bartolz who played for the uh, Philadelphia Flyers. I, this is the main team that I know. I don't know if he was with other teams, but I know that that was the one, the team that he's with for a bit. Um, saw him in the summertime. I was just skating for like exercise. And he's, he asked me, he's like, you going to play? I'm like, no. He's like, you should play this, this league. It's kind of like, you know, it's not men's league, but it's, it's not NHL either. Um, so I said, yes. And then I signed on. And then next thing you know, I started getting all these calls from people and like, congrats on the contract. And I couldn't understand what was going on. It was on, <laughs> elite prospects they had posted it and i was like i was like no man this isn't like it's not real i'm not i'm not back this is <laughs> yeah shrimp's oh. back shrimp's back and laffy is coming back yeah that's right? awesome <laughs> that's me and t-bone's dream when we go to the uh the rec league down the street that somebody's gonna call us be like congrats buddy join the rec league again <laughs> but it never happens yeah exactly yeah if you, if you want know. us to say if you want us to send any video over you can sort of critique the game let us know it, it starts Perfect. with uh yeah let me know how to stay up on my feet that'd be very helpful man yeah. that would help <laughs> um why don't we jump in a little bit into the into the hockey career start getting into some of these stories and uh i think a great place to start something you actually brought up to me when we were going back and forth messaging was i think you said it was your only pro fight um you scrapped a, a no flamingo hockey alum named uh daryl boyce and uh reached out to him as well to get his side of the story and he said yep yeah remember that and you also said said Robbie was a lot tougher than I thought he was going to be. So what are, what are your, what are your memories of that fight? Maybe tell us a little bit about that, the teams you were on and all that good stuff. Yeah, no, I appreciate that from him too. Cause there's no footage of it. And there's only, the only evidence of it is, is it like a, I think it was like a hockey fights.com, like uh, someone else's opinion of the fight. And it has begun. Uh, I think it was two punch knockout. I got dropped and it was not the, it was not the case. So uh, free Daryl's. I appreciate Daryl's pitching in on that side of the story and saved my honor a little bit, but hey, we were playing, uh, I was a Mississauga ice dog my rookie year and playing, he was with the St. Mike's majors, the OHL. And I took a draw against him and he, he just, after the, I don't know what he was pissed about, but he came right up between my legs, boom, with his stick. I'm like, I'm looking, does it again. Boom. Look, now I'm looking at the ref. Like, what, the, what is this shit? Like, it's called. It. He hits me one more time. The third time he does it, my coach is like, Steve Ludzig. I love this guy. He's like a father to me. I respect the hell out of him. Out of, out of nowhere, he's just like, he goes, excuse my language, fuck it, shrimpy, go on. And then he take me, I, it just registered and I like dropped and then we had our little scrap and it was, it was pretty good. I, and I was super proud because at one point in the fight, I switched up left, not that it mattered. I threw pillows as it was, but I got to switch up and go lefty and threw, I threw an atom. I don't even know if it landed, but that was like my proud moment. And uh, our fighter at the time, Wes Rippon, he, he was, he was loving it. So I was, I was you know, 
telling him that I can teach him lessons <laughs> as he, <laughs> he had about a hundred fights in the league. And I just had my first, like, I got a little bit too confident, I think. So you go for Mississauga, you spend your rookie season there and then you jump into London, right? So obviously London, how we know it is, is a powerhouse. Um, you know, I actually, I want to know why you came to the OHL being American born first. Like what, what was that kind of path and, and what was going through your mind at such a young age? Yeah, I started, um, you know, my, my kind of call it like my path started like 11 years old. I had a really Honestly, like, uh, that's, that's where it starts at 11. I started lighting it up a little bit. Again, I played my own age, 86 birth year, triple A. It was the first year I played triple A. I had like th- between 350, 400 goals in a season, probably over 600, 600 points. Not and bad. I just really elevated fast. And then at 12, I was playing with band of majors, 15 year olds, uh, 13, same. And then at 14, I started playing tier two. And, and at that time, um, you know, take it back. I stepped at 12 years old. I, I did a video with Wayne Gretzky, um, from Tim Conley, you know, Tim, remember the name Tim Conley? Oh yeah. Big oh, Timmy yeah. fan. Timmy was my idol growing up in that area. He was like a super stud. He lived like 10 minutes away from me. I yeah, saw him unreal. Time. Yeah. He was awesome. So I was kind of idolizing him and that was his path. So when Tim, whatever Timmy was doing, I was kind of doing, wanted to, and, uh, started playing tier two at 14 and, that's when it kind of the eyeballs started getting on me. I had a really good year that year, 14. I, I think I had around 85 points that year. And then the next year at 15, I had the same league. I led the league in points. So it was kind of, I was ready for the next step at 15. Um, and that's, again, following Timmy's path, I was kind of, kind of uh, you know, I set on that going to the OHL. And uh, it kind of came to, it came to me, especially being in those tier two games, every OHL scout was at the games, every game and talking to my you know, parents or family advisor, um, so that was something I wanted. And again, at that age of 15, I, I, I just couldn't really think about doing three more years until I got to college, you know? So the next step was right away. It was OHL. And obviously everyone knows what that league is like. And, mm-hmm. um, it was a fun challenge and, and it was great. The draft, you know, predictions started coming around. So, uh, I was at the top of that list for the draft selection. So it was kind of, you know, naturally just we're like, that's the right move. And we went with it. I mean, everybody, you said, everybody knows what that league's about. Well, you ripped that league up. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you, you, let's talk, you know, your years in London where obviously you were, I, I don't know the facts, Daniel, I'll have to check this, but setting records, you know what I mean? And I guess that was uh, one of the years was when London won the Mem Cup and that was correct me if I'm wrong, but their first one in franchise history. And now that's like London's where you want to be, obviously, right? Like that's where guys go. So, um, you were a part of that process, which is pretty awesome. Um, talk about London. Yeah. London was, London was, it was, it's all about, you know, and that makes, maybe it's kind of sounds captain obvious, but it's all about hockey. It's all about being a pro and like Gal Hunter played a long time. Played yeah. 19, if I'm mis- not mistaken, maybe 20 years in the show. Um, obviously, what a career he had was amazing. So he brought all of his knowledge and all of his experience there. And it was, as players, it was amazing. You, you felt like a pro playing in front of those fans. The, the building was packed every night. Uh, it felt, it was amazing. And we had some great players. Uh, my first year getting there at 17, we had a, we had a pretty stacked team too. We had some great older guys like Danny Bois, Scott Shepard, Dennis Weidman. Um, and we ended up losing that year to Guelph in the finals in the Western conference finals. And that was like, a, you know, almost like gasoline to our fire that, that we were really disappointed. We had the better team, like, but you know, they had a good team still. They had Marty St. Pierre, uh, Kevin Klein, Ryan Callahan, like that's some good players as well. But we, we really felt we had a really stacked team and we just fell short. So 
the first year was disappointing. Then the second year we came out like breaking records. We 31 games undefeated out of the gate. Um, we had Corey Perry was the, the best player in Canada that year. Um, oh yeah. So we had a lot of cool, cool stuff going on there. Winning games, um, home fans were amazing. And then also lockout was that year. So the, the league was stacked. Like we had, you had everybody, you had Mike Richards, Jeff Carter, uh, you name it. They were all those guys that maybe would have been in the show or should have been in the show. We're playing even Danny Frenchie was on our team. Danny played in the NHL the year before yep. and came down to the OHL. So, uh, I was fortunate to use on my line most of the year. Um, it was, it was awesome. So the league was stacked and we were stacked and, and we got the finals that year against Sidney Crosby. So it was like our momentum of what our team success was versus this unbelievable superstar stud coming out, uh, coming up, so to speak. So it was, it was an awesome year. And the fact that we got to, uh, went to the Mem Cup to the front door, that was something we were super proud of as a team and not the back door. So the host, you know, the host gets that automatic bid and we didn't yeah. need it. Um, so that was, it was an awesome year. Yeah. So Dale and Mark Hunter have an unbelievable program there the way, the way, again, as a player, you want to be there. Cause you're, you really feel like you're getting, you know, educated on what it's going to take for the next step to be a pro and, um, the way he, the structures and systems that he play kind of mirror and mock the NHL, what the trends are doing and what the, you know, system that's going on in the NHL, the successful ones daily, a lot of times will kind of tailor that to his teams. So, um, yeah, it was a live city. We had so much fun off the ice as well. We had a bunch of absolute beauties. Um, yeah. yeah, I was going to say, it's a, too bad there's nothing to do when you're not on the ice there in uh, London. It's not like there's yeah. some party, party university down the street or anything like that. How many yeah. guys, like how many, how many lives did Western claim as far as uh, potential NHL careers gone for not just because these guys fell into the Western trap and go Mustangs sort of fell off the hockey. Any, any, anything like that? Any of the guys go a little too hard in that town? Would you say without naming uh, names? So you don't have to sue or anyone. No, not, no, honestly, that we had, that's the thing. We had a healthy balance. And, and that's the thing. Like when we left the years after some of the kids had a harder time understanding that, that balance. Um, if you want to, you know, you gotta be, you want to be a rock star, you got to perform first. So we were performing and rock star. And so, um, you know, we showed up 31 games and we showed up, but we didn't lose much. We only lost seven games that year. So we, we deserved whatever little bit of, you know, freedom that we got, mm-hmm. um, you know, the money, Monday days off, we earned them every time they weren't expected. So, um, yeah, no, we, we had a good band. That's the thing. We had a great balance between both. We didn't go overboard. We didn't know we're, you know, we didn't push the boundaries. Uh, everybody was kind of ranked ready every single game. So all of it, man, you put that all under one. It was, Every single night you came to the rink, you knew that everybody, all of us were there as one to go shit kick whoever was out there. It didn't matter who was out. Um, it. it was a powerful feeling. You sit in the locker room, if you had your off night, you got, you had so much support, you know, you had David Bowen, Corey Perry, uh, you know, you go to Danny Fritchie. You had so many guys defense. We had Dan Girardi, Danny Sabret, Brian Rod, we were stacked, Mark Mathlot, like go down the list. Right. So it wasn't, it was a good feeling to have, uh, you knew that, Again, there was not one guy that was relied on. It was a really full team effort. So, um, and then we took that same mentality off the ice. So we were never alone. <laughs> we all stuck together and <laughs> right. it wasn't a one man show. It was, it was everybody in for the, for the same cause. Love it. 
Love it. Te- teamwork all the way. And uh, yeah, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned that mem cup there um, and, and a young Sidney Crosby, what with Ramuski, I'm going to say, and what, what's it like, you know, running into him and, and seeing him sort of coming up at the same time you are and hearing all the hype about him. Then you finally get to see the guy on the ice was, was that the first time you saw him or had you had experiences before? And if so, or, or if not, what was it like when you finally get on the ice against that guy? Yeah, no, we grew up uh, grew up together, so to speak, but in the same era, right? He's in 87, I was in 86, so there was a lot of that. You know, we didn't have the platform, social media, and stuff like that back in our day, so it was more like chat forums and weird places where people would be talking, and it was a lot of our names were in the same conversations as kids growing up and what yeah. we were doing at our levels. Um, so I seen a bunch in, in those turn, summer tournaments and that stuff, So, but seeing him then, again, it's we were say he was 16, I was 17 or I was 18. He was 17. He was, he was unbelievable. He was everything that they, everybody hyped up. The, the first game we put him in the Mem cup was the biggest shocker. Uh, 10 minutes in the game. We've never had any trouble the whole year. Like mm. we lost the game. We lost, we had four or five of us at world Junior, So it wasn't a full team. Um, another game that we lost, we outshot the team like 71 to 12 and lost two to one. So it wasn't like a, we had trouble. It just went, I was you know, whatever is in Belleville. Um, <laughs> played Crosby 10 minutes in the game. We're down three to nothing. And we didn't, we weren't playing bad. He just played, he made three unbelievable individual efforts. And you were just like, holy shit, all three of them. And it was like, bang, bang, bang. And then we're like, okay, okay. You want to play? And then after 10 minutes of the period, they didn't get a shot at net until there was five minutes left in the second period. We clawed our way back and won the game, but it was against an un, like his effort was that strong. Our team was stacked, and he it didn't matter. Mark Mathot was the one example I gave was Mark Mathot was a monster in junior. He was six three two twenty ish, and yeah, whenever he got pissed or mad when he wanted, he just it, nobody had a chance. So Crosby's coming down the right wing, he's coming in and he's going into the corner. And you can see Trotter like pivot, and he's going to run him. We're like, oh, he's going to get him. He goes to hit Crosby, and he just stop like Crosby just leans into him, stops him. Dead his track, stops him, hangs on to him, checks his shoulder with one hand, takes it and sauces it to the slot, right? To Mark Antoine Pouillat. No, no chance. Backdoor Pouillat snipes were like, <laughs> that was the moment where, like, whoa. Like, <laughs> this guy's honestly, pretty good. <laughs> the fact that he stopped Marthot like that with that strength, that showed strength. And then a one handed sauce pass that was literally like the most perfect sauce pass <laughs> just over the other guy's stick, right on the guy's tape. Boom, goal. We're just like, okay, this guy's oh. legit. So he was, he was everything that, that he was touted to be for sure. Oh man. Oh man. That's awesome. That's awesome. You kind of, kind of what you expect to hear. I don't think we'd ask anyone, what would you think of Crosby? Yeah, he was okay. It's kind of like, yeah, no, he was, he was pretty goddamn good. Um, yeah. And then you take that, that uh, your junior career keeps going. It's time to get into some uh, world junior championships. And you were on some unbelievable squads there for the U S I remember, uh, you know, to make it all about myself as I love to do. I remember watching those, those two tournaments that you got to play in and being like, this, it was like the first time in a long time. There's like the American team's scary. These are really frigging good players. And, uh, you see these guys now just doing what they've done over their career, but let's talk a little bit about the juniors. Some of the guys who play with the Kessels, the wheelers, um, what a Corey Snyder and that, uh, talk to us about some of these guys you're on the team with and, and any of the memories that you have from those, uh, those world junior championships. Yeah, the first year was in North Dakota. It was sick. It was, North Dakota's facilities are unbelievable. That was the first thing. It was it was awesome. You check it in. You just this rink is unbelievable. It's like a cathedral kind of shrine almost. Uh, 
facilities were amazing. And then the second piece of it was looking at team Canada's roster and obviously Danny Sivright and Corey Perry being teammates, it's kind of like, look at that roster, like, holy shit. Like they're stat, they were super stacked at every, everything you can ever met. Dion, everybody, like they had Crosby, Bergeron, Perry. Arguably the best draft year, like that year. Yeah. For a long time. Right. So look at the decor, Seabrook, Fanuff, Weber, Colburn, Weber, uh, Danny Severett, who was the other guy? I think it was uh, Sean Bell. Yeah, yeah. They were like super stacked. And then, yeah, so it was, uh, we knew that if it eventually came down to it, that we were going to be up against it. Unfortunately, we didn't get to where we wanted to be, but that experience at World Juniors was was amazing. And it was my first taste of it. I didn't do much international stuff from the U.S. Uh, growing up. I just was on a different path. I didn't do like the select 15 stuff and, you know, these the other tournaments. So that was my first chance to put the sweater on for us and, and doing it at world juniors. It was, it was pretty special. Um, the next year in Vancouver, that was more, we really, I thought we had a really good chance. We were super stacked. We had Johnson, Johnson brothers on D uh, you mentioned it, Kessel or we had, we had a really good team. Uh, it's just a matter of one of those things at a tournament, you have such a short window to really gel names only mean, what they are on a piece of paper when you go out on the ice it's about producing and kind of chemistry and we just didn't hit our stride so uh we lost to team canada in the important game and then we lost in the bronze medal game so it was uh disappointing with that result but the overall experience obviously it's it's amazing and uh playing against the top kids at your late age level so to speak or in that junior age level it's, it's such a fun challenge as an individual to get to go there and you know be part of it and kind of bring your game to that, that sort of level or bring it to that, you know, what am I trying to say? Like that tournament is a, it's a great platform. How many times at that age, you get to play against the top of the best, the best, the best, your sort of age bracket and kind of showcase yourself as well as your country's, um, you know, t- team play. So it was awesome. It was really cool. Any of those guys you still, uh, keep in touch with close friends. Like, I mean, we got a couple of huge leaf fans, so I'm, I'm sure they want to hear something about Phil. If you have, if you have any stories about Phil or something like yeah, that. No, Phil, Phil was a kid. He was a kid. He was a young kid, right? He was there. Uh, Nodak. He was super young. Um, in North Dakota. He was in then, uh, Vancouver. He's more of a kind of a, that was his like breakout tournament, so to speak. And yeah, he played sick and he was, he had a bunch of highlight goals, dangling guys with his speed and sniping. So that's kind of when Phil got put on the map, Chris Bork, I'm, I'm really good buddies with still, uh, I played with wheels in Atlanta my last year in the NHL. So it was cool to reunite with him. Um, so there's just a couple guys really. Yeah. I've lost touch. I was an OHL guy. So it was kind of a different path. It wasn't really, Right, uh, and I didn't really do much more for USA Hockey after that. So, uh, it was tough to keep in touch with a lot of guys. But yeah, a lot of players out there, obviously. So, you know, you have these awesome experiences. You know, I think we've missed your draft at this point. But talk us, walk us through draft day. You know what I mean? Um, what was the expectation? I mean, you were your numbers were insane. Uh, so, yeah, to walk us through draft day. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, draft day was uh, it was a, it was bizarre. It's a, it's a fast day. It's a fast paced day, and, and leading up to it, you got a, a million meetings, meeting with everybody, meeting with psychologists, and doing these tests and doing fitness tests. And it was, it's very busy and, and, uh, you know, going into it, it was, I was ranked top 10 and, and that was kind of my expectation, obviously being a competitive guy, like that was my goal is to be as high as I possibly could. So uh, I slipped a little bit in my draft. Um, you know, it's kind of like a lot of talk or like rumor mills and people talking again, we weren't super in the cell phone area yet. So it wasn't like we were buzzing like that, but 
more like people chit chatting and chattering. And, you know, the big thing was I was supposed to go to Edmonton at 14. And once I didn't, um, it was kind of like everybody kind of backed off because everybody after 14 was telling me, I remember the meetings vividly, like, you're not going to be here at our pick. We know it, but you know, you're a guy. So from 14 on, I was like, every pick I go to stand up and then no. And then I go to stand up and then no. I was like, so it was a little bit stress, stressful that way. Again, you feel like, I mean, I know I got drafted the first round, but I, I was really set on top 10 and again, being competitive, like that's my mind is like, I lost because I didn't go there but um you get older you realize the draft is nothing but a day <laughs> it doesn't mean anything and it's nothing guaranteed either way so um if i could look back and change something it'd probably be more about enjoying that process enjoying that day a little more than uh you know the way i, I guess i would say handled it or, or took it um again there's guys that david Bowen, my teammate in london went in the second round and look at his career so uh draft means nothing it's just you know sometimes your own pride is all that, you know, that's maybe the biggest thing, but it's, it's more about what you do after. So, um, busy. We had the mics on the, the NHL.com or NHL network had the microphone on me. That was the other thing that was a little, I'll be honest with you, it was a little bit stressful. I had the camera was sitting on me the whole time. So I was supposed to go to that top 10 here. And I'm just like, so they get to like watch my disappointment every oh, non day. Cameras getting like closer and closer. Yeah, yeah. I just felt like <laughs> moment, like just getting the uh, felt like I was getting boxed. I, I I had to like try to hide my emotions, and I I blurted out at one point like the guy got picked, and I'm like, fuck, this fucking guy had two points last year. Like, two. <laughs> like, oh, and like, and it's so, was like, air that, air that, put that on there. That's amazing. Yeah. Do you remember any? You know, you hear all these interview questions are ridiculous things. And I think the game has obviously changed now, but do you remember vividly any interview interview questions leading up to that? You were like, are you serious? Why are you asking me this? For the, with the combines or with the, yeah. With with the the, meetings? yeah. Uh, I remember one team, it's all about just mind games, but then I remember one team asked me if I, like, I if, what kind of player I thought I was. And it's okay. Yes. I have the offensive player and, um, they're like, well, you, and I'm kind of like in the middle of answering the question of what kind of player I thought it was. And they stopped me and they're like, you think you're offensive? And I was like, yeah. And then they were like, well, we got, we got a guy that plays in the same league that you're in right now. He scored 160 points last year. You still think you're offensive? And I was like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> then, then they asked me another question. I, I can't recall what the question was. And I, the guy that asked me as I started answering it, he like flipped open the newspaper, crossed his leg, and started just reading the newspaper while I was answering. So again, now you know I was 18 years old at the time, but that, now I look back, it was just fine games. But yeah, in the moment, it was just like you're so stressed. You, you know, it's like NHL. You're meeting these people. Some of the people in the room are like NHL legends. Um, so it's it's a weird time. You know, it's you're on the microscope, and and it's uh, it can be a bit a little bit stressful. You know. How was oh, the, yeah. uh, the brat, the upper brass there with Edmonton? Like when you, when you finally did go to Edmonton, obviously you were expecting to go there earlier, you know, they had two first rounders that year. So were you excited at the opportunity to still go to Edmonton? Yeah. You know, I was like just excited to get drafted and, and go. And, um, you know, with their, obviously the history of their organization, it was, it was a very exciting time. So, um, got picked and then we, yeah, we went up and met the staff, met the brass, so to speak, and, and all that. So, uh, even at my pick, they took a timeout though for like two minutes. So it was stressful there. <laughs> There's a mess with it. Was it. Wild, man. it was wild. <laughs> so yeah, it was good after there. I was just really focused on getting there. It's kind of, you know, I even got my draft app right after I came off the podium. 
I think they put a microphone, like, how do you feel about slipping in the draft? I'm like, well, I guess I got 24 teams to show them they were wrong. And uh, there you go. Yeah. So it was interesting day. And, you know, from there, it was, it was more about trying to prove people wrong and prove what I could do as a player. And that's what I tried to take into London when I went back there the next couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. And you did. Okay. And Hey, just for anyone listening, not sure they the guy they took at 14, Devin Dubnik. So I'm sure they were saying, Hey, we needed a goalie. Don't worry, Rob, nothing personal. We needed a goalie, whatever. You, hey, when goalies get in the mix, there's not a whole hell of a lot you can do. So for what it's worth. Um, yeah. You go back to London, you, you continue lighting it up and then you're going to find your way over with uh, the Wilkes-Barre Scranton in the AHL. What are the memories there? Wilkes-Barre, any, uh, the first thing I sort of saw that jumped off the, that jumped off the page was that looked like a really, really just a tough team. Like just a lot of tough guys on that team. It's like a Sestito, <laughs> Karkner, Biz was over there. Uh, yeah. I want to say like Carcillo, like what was that team vibe? Like, was it like, just get out of the way. Someone's getting killed tonight. You, you can score if you want. <laughs> what, what are your memories there? Yeah, it was, t- it was a tough adjustment for me. So from, from, uh, from the OHL to the, you know, we call it the jungle. It's, it's a, it was a wild league back then too. It was scrappy, man. There was fight, it was fight night every night. And that whole division was Philadelphia was stacked with like Riley Cote, Tristan Grant. Uh, what's his, I can't remember his first name. Grenier, uh, the defense when he was like six, seven, two sixty. Um, everybody Hershey was stacked with toughness. It was me. So I came into that. Yeah. I came into that team. And also we, we were splitting that with, uh, Dennis Bonby's one that I think you didn't mention, but it, which deserves mentioning. He was an absolute warrior. Uh, that year that I got there, he was 34. Awesome to me. Treated me very well. Like, uh, well, he was kind of a mentor and, and looked after me really well. But Dennis was an awesome guy. Um, anyways, he was fighting that year at 34, all these young bucks that wanted their chance and shot at the title. He was 34. He didn't have an ACL in either leg. Like literally we're both gone. And this guy's scrapping these and winning the fights. He wasn't in there. And like, he was, it was unbelievable. He was just hanging on and his hands were so sick. Like he basically just boxed in there and using their momentum. It was, uh, Dennis was awesome. So but that at that time we were a super tough team. We weren't a skilled team. Um, it was more like chip and chase and dumping in and run the shit out of guys. And, and we had a, our team's unbelievable. Ryan Stone is a guy that comes out of mind. Jonathan Filowich, Dan Carcillo. These guys were just dumping pucks in and running the shit out of people. And you know, if it turned into fights, we had the backup for that. We had like literally six guys that could scrap. Not could, but that did. <laughs> they did fight. <laughs> and uh so for me, it was a little bit of a learning curve trying to find my place. You know, I went from London the year before scoring a bunch of points and, and having that kind of control. And, and, and then you go in the AHL and it's very, it wasn't uh, it's a little bit more sporadic. Everybody's there trying to get out of there, trying to get to the show. So they're doing whatever it takes. Mm. There's not, it's tough to pick up the patterns of that league. Cause it's again, guys are in places sometimes they shouldn't be trying to run around and get a hit or whatever. Um, it took until about December. Um, you know, I was getting tough love from the coach there until about December. We picked up the Oilers picked up Robert Nielsen in a trade with the Islanders. And that, that turned everything around. Cause I finally had that fit with somebody who saw the game that's similar to myself. And I saw the same uh, as he did. And we'd click like instantaneously. It went from my point production was terrible. in the beginning. I couldn't find it. it. The team wasn't a skilled team. It was, and that game wasn't my game, like throwing it in and going, running someone to the wall is never going to be my game. Once we got Robert, it was the power play. We lit it up and that carried over to our five on five. We started getting that confidence and, you know, 
I get someone that can give me soft passes back and that sort of thing. So it was, it was nice. Um, Serious question, T-Bone. Do you know what a sauce pass is? <laughs> Come on. Do I know what a sauce pass is? I, I'm the loser. I'm, I'm the guy who's on the internet, like looking at slow-mos of like before Robbie would return my, uh, my message on Instagram, I'm checking out his highlights. I know what a, I don't know how to do one. Okay. I don't know how to pull one <laughs> off, but I, but I know what a sauce, if I try to sauce, it's landing like right between your nips in the middle of your chest. So that's my bad. But, <laughs> that's, uh, they call those grenades. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Those are> grenades. <laughs> that's me. I'm chucking those around. That's, that's my specialty boys. Okay, oh, so, you, so you're down in Wilkes, obviously you, you um, sorry, where am I going here? Um, you get one game that year. That's it comes at the end of the year. I'm assuming after you start lighting it up. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. was it, was it in Edmonton or, or was that game in walk us Minnesota. Okay. Yeah, I was in Minnesota. Absolutely. Yeah, that was wild. So I, I got a call. We were on the road, and we were in Norfolk, and I got a call in the hotel room. And I thought it was, I thought it was Den- I thought it was Bones, Dennis Bondi screwing with me. <laughs> so I, I got a call. Answer is like, "Hey, Shipper, you're getting." They also it's the end of the season, so I I had kind of given up hope on getting a call up. Just figured, it, I guess maybe next year would be my year, and maybe they'll start me up there or whatever. Doing my own math already. Um, and I get a call in the Norfolk hotel and, and they said, be, you're going to call up. And I, I thought for sure it was bones. I told whoever was on the phone, I was like, F off. Like it's not a good joke. <laughs> the phone rang right back right away. And I'm like, hey, seriously, man, F off. Like leave me alone. <laughs> and he's like, Trippy, it's, it's coach Richards. It's Todd. He's like, you, I'm not kidding. Get your shit ready. You're going. I'm like, and then I, I said it in. I was like, no, you know what I mean? All that emotion. I was like, oh, sorry, I told you to F off. <laughs> I'm so sorry. He's like, no, I get it. But the joke's over. Get your bags packed. You got a flight. So uh, it was pretty, pretty cool, pretty surreal and exciting and very unexpected. I, again, I kind of given up on that um, at that point of the year. The team in Edmonton wasn't doing very well. Mm. So, and the fact that I hadn't been called up yet, so it was kind of almost evident that I wasn't going to get that that year. And again, uh, it came true, and I got a chance to go go play a game, and um, you know, uh, it was wild to travel there, get there. It was really, it was, uh, yeah, it was a busy, busy travel day to get there, and then kind of get the emotions in check and try to focus, and then you know, still there with this mindset, like this is my chance to like show what I can do. It's it's such a pressure cooker in some regard, and you know, yeah, I'm getting fired up with that mentality. They were out of the playoffs by a long shot at that point. So this was yeah. game 80 under the season. And you know, do the pre-scout or the pre-game pre-scout stuff. And you could basically smell the aroma in the room of everybody else. <laughs> so they weren't they weren't in the same boat as I was. <laughs> so uh, it was interesting. That's hilarious. Well, what's the vibe like though? So you arrive, you're like, holy shit, I'm gonna I'm about to make my debut here. Uh you you walk in. What's the first thing that happens? Coach, who brings you in? They sit you down. They say you're playing with who, like what, what's the sort of vibe? Like when you arrive there and just sort of talk us through that. Yeah. You just kind of get uh, like a little bit of upload of what the system is and what's expected. Um, that, that sort of thing, which isn't, it's not talky. It's not anything earth shattering that any new system or crazy system we haven't done, but just, just to kind of upload on the systems and who we're going to play with and what they're expecting and, you know, try to enjoy it and, you know, work hard kind of speech, but, um, yeah, nothing crazy. It was, uh, yeah. Again, then you're jumping in kind of as a call up, you come in a game 81, these guys already been playing together for 80 games. So try to do your best to not stick out in a bad way (laughs) and just blend in because being young and nervous and all that good stuff is, it's tough to handle. And, uh, yeah, kind of went by really fast. And who who were you lining up with? Who, Who were the lineys that night? 
Uh, I played with, I think it was Pouliot and I want to say Sortini. Oh, there you go. There you go. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And that Oilers team too, like they had just come off. They did that. They had that run to the finals in 05, which was kind of out of nowhere. Obviously Pronger's on the scene. It's a bit of a different team. Um, and then, yeah, it just kind of was quickly like things are going to be a little bit different around here at Edmonton. It's sort of, it was like one of those flare up sort of let's be good for a year. And then back to sort of struggling to grind it out. Uh, what was the vibe just kind of in the locker room? Did it feel like a rebuild? Was it like, no, we can still get back there. Like what would you say was sort of the vibe of the team at that time? Yeah, that, they had that one off and that was, it was a, you know, kind of, I would, I'd say a bot team, so to speak. Uh, you look at, they got like spot check, Pekka, Pronger, Rolls, and, you know, they bought a bunch of players, a bunch of pieces. And those guys, some, a lot of them were gone. So it was a totally, it reach, yeah, refacing of the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't call it a rebuild, just trying to figure out, yeah, it, it wasn't considered a rebuild. Um, I think if it was, yeah, cause in that case, I, I probably wouldn't have taken 80 games to get a call. I would have probably been up there a lot earlier. So they were still trying to get back to that, you know, Stanley cup, uh, Stanley cup view, mm. uh, didn't work out, but so it was, uh, yeah, a frustrating year. I think for them, I, again, I wasn't around it enough. I was there for one game, so I can't really speak like I'm super experienced and understand what was going on there, but, um, they were out of playoffs for, I think after, you know, like with 20 games left or so they didn't have a really a mathematical chance of getting there or it was, it would have been a miracle kind of thing. Right. Um, so that's how it was when I got up there, kind of that frustrating <laughs> again, like I said, I was there for my first game, like super pumped and everybody else had, had the, the, uh, yeah, the, I guess, what do you want to say? They were wearing the night before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They got their, they got their you know, their, their vacation plans kicking in for when the season finally ends. Yeah. What about, so then, Oh wait, you, you got four games there and three points in four games, right? You had three points in four games and then it's back to the, A. Were, were you sort of surprised by that? Were you obviously you probably weren't too happy with that, but uh, wouldn't you think jumping in, getting three points in four games, you're going to get maybe a bit of a longer look. Yeah. Well, that window was kind of, it was my first year. I got one game. The second year, I got two games. The third year, I got four games. So it was oh, seven, gotcha. three years. So, uh, that was, yeah, for sure. Getting to be a little bit frustrating, um, yeah. especially without not being, you know, it wasn't, uh, wasn't the Pittsburgh Penguins lineup that I was trying to crack, you know, or, or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's that four game segment though, was one the first time that I had a clear window, what my chance was that it was an injury and there was going to be a two week injury. And that's what my window was What they wound up being four games. So at the end of that, I, I, I was happy with what I did and kind of, up forward. I got a, I think it was second star against the LA Kings and I had a star in another game and the other two games were kind of, I wouldn't say they were overly impressive, but I played well. Uh, the one game I played terrible, actually San Jose Sharks was, I didn't say I played terrible. They kicked the crap out of us. Like we played down the shark tank and it was like, Holy shit. Like they just came and came and came Joe Thornton burns and that whole crew Marlo. It was just oh, yeah. like, man, we got a shot. And the only reason we even had a chance was really, I think it was like a 63 to 17 outshot 63 to 17, somewhere in that ballpark. Yikes. Um, yeah. And we were just getting pepper. We went, we actually ended up winning the game two one in overtime and Kyle Brodziak scored the game winning goal. Huh. But it was like an absolute miracle that we were in that game. Like, we should have been pepper. Like, Roley, Roley was that, I mean, he was that type of goalie, though. Like, he took him 
a long way in that final run. It was a lot of Dwayne Rolson. He was unreal. He was sick. And uh, he could do that. So those kind of games you have. And we had another one in, I played with him in Long Island for the Islanders. He did that against Detroit Red Wings. Same thing at the Joe Lou. We had off shot, same ballpark, like high 50s, maybe low 60s shot total against us. The Islanders, we had 14 or 15 shots. We went 2 1 in overtime, uh, all because of Roley. <laughs> but anyways, that game was, you know, that game's kind of, I'd say right off. And that was a, that was an eye opener of what a top notch NHL team looked like, so to speak, but they were, they were sick at that time. Um, so that game was kind of mush, but once I got done with that sample size, I got sent down, the injury guy came back and, you know, the, the frustrating thing was a week later, another player got injured and then I didn't get called back up. So it was kind of really confusing and, and I didn't really understand where I stood in the, uh, in the, in the organization or what the, I guess what the process was going to be with me. Um, didn't really, didn't really understand that very well. So, uh, that was kind of the last, last bit of it. And the next year I got to go to training camp, you know, after my elite, uh, entry level deal, I had my second deal. So I had uh, waiver rights and I got, you know, put on waivers eventually, which was a new start, clean slate, fresh start. And gave me an opportunity to get, get to go somewhere else where maybe it was a better fit. And, uh, yeah, so that was the kind of the story there. And it was, it's a short story. I had seven games in three years. So I, I don't really have much to talk about in that time window, as far as my NHL experience. Backyard skating rinks typically include two things, a sheet of ice and hockey nets. It's up to the kids to use their imagination that they're skating over the red line on a breakaway or to picture their favorite team's logo at center ice until now. Introducing Shinny and co the company that wants to take your backyard rink to the big leagues. Created by former NHLer Daryl Boyce, Shinny & Co. has you covered for rink marking kits that turn any outdoor ice rink into a real hockey rink by using the same durable material as professional hockey rinks. They only take a few minutes to set up, fit any rink size, and you can reuse them year after year. Outdoor hockey has always been popular, but today families are making home rinks in record numbers. Now with Shinny & Co., you can bring that real hockey rink feeling home too. Shinny & Co. is officially licensed by the NHL and Hockey Canada. That means you can style your outdoor rink with any one of the NHL's 32 official franchise logos or with the iconic Hockey Canada emblem. Just pick your favorite and face off. Visit shinnyandco.com to see the different kits and options available. That's shinnyandco.com or across all social media at Shinny & Co. With Shinny & Co., your backyard rink is getting called up to the show. Let's fast forward then. So let's keep going to, uh, you're coming back to New York, I guess, you know, so that's, that must've been pretty surreal. I'm, I'm assuming. And like you said, a fresh start, um, they give you a serious look who are you? There's, you know, again, uh, we got our leaf, uh, our, our huge leaf fans on the other side of this. Um, you're playing with a young Johnny T, uh, what, what's your lineup? Like, who are you, who are you playing with, uh, when you get to New York? Yeah, I got a chance. In the beginning, I didn't get to play. I I played like four or five games on the like third, fourth line on the wing, and that and that um, they you know as a centerman, and that's my natural position. I, I wasn't a, a standout winger, so to speak, for those first four or five games. So they told me blatantly, like you know, you just have to wait your chance. And either someone plays himself out of the lineup at center, or they get an injury. And that took about 17, uh, 17 games. I was healthy scratch straight. So I, I waited for my turn and then I got finally got in the lineup and got a chance to play with Dougie Waite. Um, Dougie waited a little bit until he got injured. He had a shoulder injury. And then I wound up kind of settling on. 
What's that? Two 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 sets of white skates on that line. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he had six style, man. He had he was no, he was back. He had the what was he rocking then? He had the, I think he had the uh CCM's going with like the black tuck. Big black like the tuck. old school black tuck. Yeah. Tuck, that's yeah, he he looked yeah, he was he had the sickest style, the sickest guy, man. He's what well, I mean, so much experience and knowledge and, and your guy played that long in the league. Like it just seems like he always had the right thing to say at the right time, whether it be a joke or be serious or as a leader, or again, as a, the funny guy as well, he keep everybody kind of light. Um, you know, in those years we're, we're not very good as far as in the winning column. So, it, you know, it's a lot of tension in the room and again, Dougie was a great guy for the locker room and, and helped keep it kind of like under, you know, a lot of young guys. So you need that you know, leadership voice and a guy like Dougie, who is, sick hockey player his whole career was a good guy for that. So, but once he got injured, we, I settled on the line with Blake Como and John Sim and we were a really good third line and had great, you know, point production wise, we were really good. Um, that's the thing for me. I, with that first year, I really right off the first five games, they were, I played five or six minutes and fourth line minutes. So yeah. inside of, you know, 38, 39 games, you know, we put up 25 points, uh, as a third line and personally, that's when my, when my number was 25 points in the 38 games. So it was, I was kind of having that chance of I could prove myself, I could produce at that level and, um, not my junior numbers, but also wasn't playing my junior minutes either. You know, I was playing third line and, uh, but we were a great third line and we put, we came every night produced, gave the team a second wave of energy. Johnny was a young kid at that time. Uh, he came in guns blazing in the beginning and then he hit a little bit of a, um, speed bump, you know, kind of midway through the year little bit of a slump and watching him get through it and try to battle through it was, you know, something we were as a team trying to help the kid, an 18 year old kid coming in with a kind of an organization on his back. Definitely not an easy thing to do. Um, super competitive and, and guy, you know, he loves the game and, and has so much drive. So, um, it was interesting. It was, it was a great, I guess that would be my real first experience in the NHL because it was a day-to-day experience and I got to be on the team and I had to worry about getting sent down every day or getting called up every day. So got to kind of be myself a little bit and enjoy the locker room and we had some great guys in the room too. So that's the thing in Long Island. It's always been that way. It seems like the character in the room is really important. That's, that's high yeah. on their value chart. And, uh, you know, a guy like Andy Sutton sticks out to me. He was a really good guy to me, especially through that course of 17 games. Uh, being a healthy scratch, it's not easy. You know, you want, I want to play, I'm competitive and, and being healthy and not playing is, is kind of a, it can be go one way or the other. And I, I learned how to kind of handle that and just take it in stride and, and be a good teammate through the course of it. And don't be a baby and powder on the room. I was just happy to be there. I'm at the NHL level. I work my ass off every day. I'm not here to pout, I'm here to be one of the boys. I have to stay every day, play ping pong for two or three hours after practice with Kyle Poso, Mark Strait, um, Milan Yersina. And, uh, yeah, once I got my chance, I think you know, the guys were really happy for me and, you know, it's one of those things. So it was, it was a great experience and, you know, it was fun. It was really fun. The Long Island days were, were the, obviously the highlight of my career. Oh, big time. And and like, yeah, those, I remember back then, like those are cool Islanders teams. Like, yeah, I'm a diehard Leaf guy um, is what it is for better or for worse. Um, but I remember those being some really, really cool teams A Doug Wade and John Tavares coming up. It was fun to watch a team like that. And you mentioned Johnny coming in, you know, 18 year old kid, weight of the world on his back, sort of grabs the team in some lean years and pulls them forward. Flash forward to just a couple seasons ago. So you, Rob Shrimp, maybe you're watching the game live or you're just seeing the highlights, but when you see the reaction he gets going back to Long Island and just how ruthless those fans, we know they're like super hardcore fans. You don't want to uh, 
you don't want to get caught in a room with too many of those guys at the, at the same time. Right. But when you see the reaction they give them and just how over the top they went, what's your reaction as a former teammate and somebody who just sort of understands the passion of that fan base. What'd you think of that? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's not, it's not easy uh, as an athlete. Johnny loves the game of hockey. He has so much drive and passion for it. He works for everything he has. He works his ass off for it. So um, it's tough to see that for him personally on a personal level. But I mean, the flip side of it with the Islanders, they are diehard fans through and through. Um, you know, they, they, there's a piece of it where as an athlete, you kind of, with the way that things transpired there, that's that's how they felt and that's what they're going to present. So, you know, they're not going to they're not gonna and they're they're tough fans like they're literally tough really tough fans <clears throat> there's yeah. all the rangers games there was more brawls in the stands than there was on the ice um <laughs> it was wild so you know they're really passionate they feel they feel almost uh rejected a little bit neglected and, and didn't like the way that that transpired so it's, they, they pay the money and, and it's tough a lot of people are it's, it's from the athlete side, you get it, but that's part of our job, you know, and that's what happens when you, you're in the spotlight like that and comes with the territory, so to speak, and such a high level player like that, what he meant to the organization, they felt, you know, really frustrated with how it didn't work out for the Islanders. And, um, how much money do you think he had on the board in that return? Yeah, <laughs> that's a good question. That's a really good question, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I would say I, I couldn't put it on right. Maybe. He's not, he's not a big spender, but I'd say 10 grand would be a big number. Okay. Oof. There you go. There you okay. go. Well, you know what? We, we appreciate that. And it's a, Hey, there's a diehard fan base. It is what it is. He was going to get sort of shit on no matter what, but we here at no Flamingo hockey, we want to stick up for the captain of the Leafs. So if you know any Islanders fans still to this day, Robbie, you connect us with them. We're trying to set up a street fight between uh, producer Danny and an Islander <laughs> fan. So if you can help us out there, maybe like a guy who, uh, I don't know, he's down on his lot, like five, three, 110 pounds, something <laughs> like that. Yeah. You let us know. And anyone come to mind, any, any fans sort of stick out, like you'd actually remember from the Islanders days. I can't remember names, but yeah, I, I stopped after every game and signed autographs. There was a lot of same people there. Um, really, they're great people. You know, it's yeah. really passionate. It's, it means a lot to them. It means, you know, that, you know, with this situation, it, it, it hurt a lot for a lot of people too. So yeah. it's, it's two sides of the coin, you know, they're, they're showing what, uh, they're feeling right now, but in the deep end, you know, deeper into it, it's just uh, how passionate, how much they actually care. And, um, yeah, they, they loved him on the island. So they, he meant a lot to these people and it's, they're, they're really upset about it. So, um, just hey, out of hey, hey, it is what it is. Matt, Matt Barzell's not a bad player. They can, uh, yeah, they, yeah, they, they can get going. They can get going on that. Um, Cal, you kind of set up, you started talking about the, the money on the board. We, we love to do that here is, is, uh, Robbie catch a, catch a money on the board story. Maybe Cal, maybe you want to set it up and ask Robbie. Okay. Um, uh, well, I don't know, I guess. Thanks for throwing it T-bone. Um, <laughs> I don't know, I guess. Did, did you play your return game to, uh, the Island when you were, when you went to Atlanta the following season, did you get to play against New York? Yeah. Yeah. I played, we got to play them one time and, uh, played them one time in New York. Okay. So tell me how much did you have on the board that night and, or, or side story, are there any other notable nights or return games or, or guys that you, you remember the story clearly a game winning goal, whatever it is, where it's uh it's, it's a pretty funny tale to share. One, you know, I, mean, I put up like, I think I put up four grand on that. And that was big money for me at that time. It was a lot of money. Uh, I wasn't making millions. So 
uh, that was a lot of money. And I wanted to win that game because I, I definitely felt slated a little bit. I felt like I got punted out of there. Even I got put on waivers. I understood the whole dynamic of it. Still got shipped out. So um, the one, the biggest game I ever saw, I forget where it was. I think it was with the Oilers. There was something like 90, 95 to 100,000 bucks on the board. Sheldon, Surrey. It was uh, a bunch of guys just signed tickets. So it was yeah. like, there was no rivalry or anybody pissed off. It was more just like a bunch of dudes, just like Penner, Shelly, these guys all good just, deals. they got good deals and there was money up on the board. It might've been, yeah, I can't remember. There wasn't a bad, like real big backstory. Man. I was like, what the hell's going on? Like this is, it was like the 20, win, guy win that one? 27 grand on the board. One guy had, so I mean, the numbers added up quick. It was like, holy shit. Um, <laughs> did win the game. Yes. So the money was collected on that, on that one. Right. 100k went into the pot so and then i also had my my rookie dinner was an eye opener in long island i never got one in edmonton but <laughs> in long island it was you know we had it again i'm sure there's other stories out there that are way bigger but the, the bill came there was five of us rookies the bill was like 90 grand so we were looking at it and like oh and then dougie came in and said because we were all shit in our pants man we, we I, that's again that was the first year making actual money and it wasn't it wasn't millions it was good really good money not to talk too much money talk but mm-hmm. five guys ninety thousand bucks man like that's that's that hurts <laughs> like, oh, shit. You know, yeah, that's like, not nothing then dougie stepped in he's like no nah, no nah, we're capping it at 10 grand a guy you're fine and it's still that number it was not easy to swallow but <laughs> Uh, it's your initiation in the show and, and, you know, it, it means a lot to, to be there. It's a statement that you get to do that rookie dinner and be a part of that. And, um, again, you're, you're making okay money. So you're going to recover from the 10 K dinner. You don't definitely don't want to make a habit out of those, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was great. We had a rookie dinner down in Miami, had a blast, Richard park, suck out, uh, you know, other guys around for that event was awesome. So it's a memory I'll always have. And that 10 grand is ingrained in my brain. <laughs> All right. That's sick. big move from Dougie coming down, helping out any other, uh, what's another good, you got to have more Doug Wade stories, like something that stands out, something funny, something he's known for. We, we ought to hear some Dougie Wade. If you got any more. Not really. To be honest with you, Dougie with Dougie was, I don't have anything to check out there. It's got, you know, maybe one story, but it's definitely not coming on the pod. Um, <laughs> can't do it to Dougie. He's a private guy and I wouldn't want to throw him right. in any bad light. Not a bad light, but it's not for the pod. But you know, Dougie that. was really, again, in that time, see, Dougie was a great, I saw him as a great leader and it was t- trying times. I and mean, we were not winning games. The coach got fired. There was like shit going on. Um, but Dougie kept his light in the room and it was, you know, I don't have any crazy stories to tell but just his character was really something that stuck out to me because it was not easy times you know mm-hmm. coach got fired 10 12 games of the season or something um it's kind of a shit show going on there and dougie was like the one solid rock there it's a guy that played and you know a bunch of young guys so even when before the coach got fired dougie was the great kind of gatekeeper of like what's going to be done and what's not going to be done because if That's he wasn't there it would have just been like we would just be getting you know, none of, what was I going to say? Like, I just got picked up off where I had nothing to say. Like a bunch of yeah. us were kind of like that. No, no power, so to speak. So we were just, you know, Dougie was the right guy. The leader been around for, you know, whatever, 16, 17 years at the time. And he would say what's, what's going to happen. <laughs> wow, awesome. There you go. He's kind of like almost got the player coach thing going without being as annoying as LeBron. It sounds like, um, <laughs> we'll, nice we'll, like yeah, that. nice job. Nice job. Sick. Uh, we'll jump into, uh, 
into the Atlanta Thrasher year, which it's the final year for the Thrashers. This is where Cal Cal's going to put a little pillow over his lap here because he's going to get excited talking about some of these Winnipeg Jets and the return to glory here. But uh, some of these names, yeah, Cal, mayor of uh, what are you, the mayor of Winnipeg, Cal? Yes, um, some of these names here that you got to play with in in Atlanta. You got Big Buff, you got Lad, Kane, Antropov, uh, Wheeler again. Like you said, you got reunited. Um, good fun team to be a part of. Was it Andre strange because it was? Eh? Oh yeah, Andre Pavlik. Yeah, guy was an absolute beaut. Um, what's the vibe though? Like, did everyone know? Like, I, I know it was kind of for me as a fan. It was kind of sudden. It was like, yeah, Atlanta's done. We're going back to Winnipeg. What was the vibe like? playing on a team in their final year and maybe just walk us through that a little bit. Uh, that was blind to us too. I was, it was, I got a text from Andrew Ladd in June. It was in a group text and it was like, Hey boys, get your parkers ready. Team's moving to, to Winnipeg. Right. And that's how I found out. I had no idea. We were talking to Rick Dudley, my agent and I about re-signing back there. And I'd known Rick for a long time at that point to see Ludwig in the, in the OHL. I met him at that, that year when I was 16, I met uh, Mr. Dudley and, I finally was in a spot where I'm like, I got someone really pulling for me. I don't think I'm going to, you know what I mean? I, I thought I had a spot with, that's what it takes sometimes. Is someone's got to be believing you and really pull for you. And they got to be in a position to be able to make that decision. I finally had that with duds and was getting excited. And they got that text from Andrew Ladd. And then, <laughs> then it was like maybe a week later, they, let, let everybody go. General manager, coaching staff was let go. And then Kevin Chevalier off. Hope I say that properly. Uh, stepped in. And, and so that was all new again. And then, um, so it was a shock to me just to say the least. There was no talks about it in the locker room. If there was conversations going around the locker room, I, de- I definitely wasn't privy to them. And I didn't hear them. nobody, nobody was talking about it. And uh, it wasn't a shock in the sense of obviously being there and playing in front of that on a home game in the National Hockey League. I play, I had a better home crowd in London. Yeah. You know what I mean? That was yeah, more yeah. like an NHL experience. Like, shit, that building, it was a sick building, 19 or 20,000 seat, and we would have four or five. I mean, they're announcing seven. You're doing the math. Yeah, there's no way there's 7,000 people here. Um, so it was not a shock that they moved the team. It wasn't making sense. There's no way they were making money. So, um, it was disappointing for sure. Uh, those guys, those, that team was awesome. It was great guys. Anthony Stewart was a beauty. Yeah. Uh, he was my roommate on the road. We had a blast together. Zach Bogosian, um, Tim Stapleton. There was all these guys are really good guys. Buff was an amazing guy. Um, so it was a, it was a great group and I really would have, I would have loved to stuck around with that crew. Uh, I found I had a nice kind of fit with Antropov too. We played a line together for, for a bunch of games. We didn't put up a, a bunch of points, but we were dom. It was one of those things we were dominating. We were all over it all the time for five or six games. And it's one of those things that went the way it did. We didn't put the puck in the net, but we easily could have had, you know, a six game, maybe 10, 12 point streak. Those, yeah, those are your windows. If, if I, I think if you look, if I look back, it's like if we would have had something like that, then maybe my spot's more solidified going forward to, to Winnipeg. But um, it's a win of opportunity, and it, it again didn't go my way. But when I got that text from Andrew, and then once they changed the staff over, this meeting started talking with my agent, and then it was kind of like right away talking about taking a two way deal, and then you know, with the new staff, new draft picks, and you start kind of doing some quick math there. If that's the verbiage, I could easily see myself starting out in the minors and I wasn't going back to the minors. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't doing it again. I, and uh, that, that's my story. Not like I'm recommending it. It's my story. That's it. I'm not saying 
uh, I did it right or did it wrong. But at that point, there was no chance I was going back to AHL. And uh, from there, I was like, hey, I'll go to Europe. And that's when I decided to go over to Europe. I, I just couldn't do it. The, the mental grind for me, the third year in that AHL season, you can see it, it, it kind of, it shows in my numbers, it shows in everything. And I just couldn't do it another year. It's, it's such a grind and mentally and, and physically too. The schedule is crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I finished all three years there with like 16 games and 29 nights. And then you got to hop into playoffs. Um, so that's, that was the story with Winnipeg. And again, I would have loved to stuck it out. I would, it was a great crew. Buff was, the room was awesome. You know, it was such a good room, good character guys. Mark Stewart's another guy that sticks out to me. It was awesome there. Mm-hmm. The whole, the whole Johnny O'Dulia. It was a great room, man. It was awesome. It just, it sucks that it didn't work out. You know? Yeah, that that is that's a Cal. You go ahead, buddy. Because I know these no, are your I boys mean, here. But. I know some of our listeners are based in Winnipeg. I know that you know the analytics, big big analytic guy. So you have to <laughs> share something about one of those names, any of them, Big Buff, preferably, because uh, you know he's typically a fan favorite. So yeah, yeah, Buff was Buff Buff was Buff was awesome. I don't know. I don't know how many like sick out stories for. Uh, not really. I mean, I, I saw him at David Bowen's wedding in the lockout season and he showed up and, and he was at least 300 pounds. I mean, it's not a great story, I guess. And Buffett, you know, as I love him, but it doesn't even matter. He's 300 pounds and his belly's like over his belt. We're all like, what the hell? Man? Like, he's huge, right? After the lockout, he comes back and he was like, he was the best. That was one of the best seasons he had. He was unbelievable. Yeah. And he was like super heavy. And he's just like, this guy's such a natural athlete. It's insanity how actual natural athlete. He's not chiseled like a Greek God. He's, mm-hmm. he's huge. Like an NFL lineman. He's got that kind of power and that kind of game. Well, watching him on the ice was great. I mean, I got to start playing against him my rookie year in Wilkes-Barre. He was down in Norfolk. It was just kind of like, and he was, a, he had the, remember the Ovis, the Ovis skates came out with like the, I don't know, was that CCM or Reebok? Vectors. The Vectors. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. was rocking those at whatever he is, 6'5", 6'6", 280. He's, he's rocking those Vectors <laughs> with black tubes. We're, we're kind of like, who the hell is this guy? You know what I mean? And then <laughs> obviously he went on to have a career he did, but Buff was like, watch him on the ice. He just like floated out there. He could play, he could play 50 minutes, it seemed. Um, he was all super relaxed, super chill guy. Never, never his temperament was like flatline. And then you go out and just dominate first guy to lead the rush first guy to get back. So his hockey wise, he was, he was amazing. So, yeah. um, yeah, buff was awesome. The one, one story I have a Mark, Mark Stewart was awesome. He's such a, I know him since world junior tryouts. I was seven, 16 years old. I tried out for the team in Lake Placid and that's where I met Stewie. Um, where I hope he doesn't mind me telling the story. I don't think it's too bad, but we're at a season ending, uh, season ending get together, uh, after in Atlanta and we're all together and someone, someone brought their cousin who was a wrestler. And and this guy was like, (laughs) just constantly on edge and like making everybody else on edge and and just was like aggressive and testosterone. Right. And then finally Stewie had enough. It's like, let's, let's fucking go. Like, let's wrestle. wrestle." I remember Stewie put this guy in a chokehold and he had him like, absolutely had him the guy was there and he wouldn't tap wouldn't tap wouldn't tap he finally tapped out and that was you know for a wrestler that was killed his pride so to add insult to injury i was uh i was not having the adult beverages i'd finished the season with a concussion so i was i was 
sober mm-hmm. and he's like he's like trippy guy i need you to take me somewhere like, yeah sure wherever so we go we go to i think it was like i don't know like target or something like that <laughs> so we went and bought like a like a pink tutu and he went back to the party and he was rocking this thing around the party the rest of the night and just staring at this guy and it like actually drove this guy nuts because he did it just to add salt to the injury you know what i mean the guy oh, like, couldn't go again physically but he was mentally he wanted to go back at stewie and it was uh so we put him in his place, but I hope, I hope he doesn't mind me telling that story, but that was a funny one. No, that's awesome. He, he roughed someone up. You won't mind that. And when you first said wrestler, I was hoping you were going to say like, yeah, it was like the undertaker showed up and uh, Stewart had, <laughs> had to fight him. Not the case, not the case from the sounds of it. Um, I got to ask you about um, super polarizing name, um, unbelievable talent, but always seems to have something going on off the ice and it's his business. We don't have to dig into that, but just your experience playing with like an Evander Kane. I know it was kind of short and sweet. What do you remember about, uh, well, perhaps sweet short for sure. Um, what do you remember about playing with Evander and what was your sort of vibe on him uh, as a teammate and, and a hockey player? Yeah, no, Kaner was, a, he was young then, uh, Atlanta coming up. Um, he focused on himself a lot. You know, that's probably the best, best way I can put it. That's what I'll say. I don't want to go too much into that yep. side of it, but it's a team game and some people look after theirs and, I guess we might have talked about it because I mean, at the end of the day, look at his career compared to mine. So I, I didn't see it that way. I see it's like we're, you know, team and especially when you're on my line, I, I think about, you know, that sort of, how do you say it? Like looking after each other or chemistry or you, you work for me, I work for you kind of thing. And we're working for each other. Um, that's how I see the game. So it's a little more individual and, and that's it kind of that's how it's been. So he can score goals, which has been proven. He's done it. He's done it at a great rate. Um, but again, there's another side of the game. So I think that would be something that he could work on if if he listens to this. Fair enough. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure he's an avid listener. He's, uh, he's been blowing up my phone all week. He's been waiting for it. Yeah, exactly. Was, was that I could be mixing up the years here. Um, I remember you know, not to make light of it. Cause it's obviously someone suffered what could have been a pretty serious head injury, but I remember him KO and uh, Matt cook, uh, Vander yeah. Kane did. Were, were you on the team then? Was that that year? Was that before your time there? It might've been before that year. I think it was that year, early in the year, but it wasn't, I didn't see that scrap. Gotcha. Tanner is actually super tough too. That's the thing. Oh yeah. He can play, he can score goals and he can fight. You know, he's tough. He used to he's a golden gloves boxer. So he was, he was nails. Um, he stands his ground and he, he stopped cookie in his track. Oh, no kidding. No but kidding. Reeves would destroy him, right? What's that? Reaver would destroy him. Obviously. Well, I mean, he's trapped. He did fight him, you know, and he stood in there. So I give him props. Yeah. He's dead. Reaver, the Reaver's way bigger than he is. You know, Kaner's not really, he's, he's jacked. He's, he's pretty jacked, but he's like, I don't know, buck 90. Like Re- right. Reaver's is like, he's obviously what's like 220, 230 at least. So he got in there though. He fought him last year. You answered the bell, <laughs> which is nuts, but give him, I give him props for that. There you go. There you go. I want to jump over a little bit, talk about, so I think the first thing, even when we started telling some of our listeners, Hey, we got, uh, we got shrimp coming on. This is going to be awesome. Everyone's like, Oh man, sick. The hands, the handles, the lacrosse style goal. Like you must hear shootout specialist, the shootouts, the shootout specialist yeah. all that stuff. Like you must hear this. I see the smile on your face. This is like, vintage Robbie shrimp. The first thing that pops to mind is like just the sickest hands. Um, some of these goals are just fucking disgusting. Even like the goal when you're playing long Island and 
what do you knock it out of, out of midair with a hand and then baseball bats swing that thing into the net against the avalanche. Um, there's just like a, anyone listening right now who hasn't gone on a deep dive of Rob shrimp highlights, go and do that right now on YouTube enjoy it. Uh, and, and enjoy, but we want to talk about like, what's, what's the, you know, how, how did this come to be? How did you, do you get these skills? Do you attribute it to anybody working with you? Or was it always just something that came easy to you that you had you know, these sick hands from a, a young age and wanted to get creative with it? Maybe talk to us a bit about that. Yeah, I played, I played a lot. I played a lot of lacrosse. Um, that was a big thing. Really it's the same motions in the cross or kind of with the hockey stick. So I always talk about that a lot when, uh, about what, what to, when to, people ask me about what to do with their son, I always tell our daughter, like grab a lacrosse stick because it really loosens up your wrists and it teaches you a lot. And the release points on lacrosse stick are, are very similar to the snap of a snapshot or a shot in hockey, even a wrist shot, but weight transfer, all of it kind of transitions. Um, so I started doing kind of tricks with the puck, so to speak. That's where that was from. Mike Legg, you know, I seen that goal as a kid and I took it a little bit differently. I didn't do it from behind the net. I used to pick up the puck wherever in the ice and could do it on breakaways or wherever. So just got a little bit creative with it. And for me, I always had a stick in my hand and was always practicing. I just loved the game. I was a rink rat and spent all the time I possibly could at the rink shooting, grabbing extra ice time. If there's synthetic ice rooms, I'd be in there. Um, yeah, and that, again, I think a lot of it was the hand stuff. I didn't work on it. Like, I didn't have sick handling drills and stuff like that. I just went out on the ice and worked my game, so to speak, and got a great opportunity with uh, Don Kern, uh, who's, who's, he was a huge, huge factor in the success of my career. He was also Timmy Conley's coach and mentor. He took me under his wing and gave me any, all the ice time that I could possibly get. Uh, it's a full nice arena. He took over that rink and said, anytime it's open, it's yours. So, um, that was huge for me. Just a lot of reps and being creative with my practice and, um, you know, challenging myself, so to speak. That's really how it came about. And I just started using my, using my hands in the games and, dangling defenseman and it felt good. And then it went from there to like playing the cross with the puck was, it was for me, it was just a challenge and it was a lot of fun and it, it did get a really good reaction. Uh, when I started doing that, you know, I don't know, I guess from 35, 23 years ago, um, started doing that stuff on the ice. People were like wild by it. So I, I love, I love that factor of playing being a hockey player too. I was, I was definitely an entertainer. So that was something when I started doing that, the reaction I got was kind of, uh, I loved it, but then I got a little bit older and it was not a great reaction <laughs> going across with the bucket mornings and stuff. People were chirping. Now we have, we have whole pregame, we have whole pregame shows on guys, skills and warmups. Exactly. <laughs> like right. 20 years early, man. But no, it's interesting to see. It's great to see the game evolving. Um, and I love that, that part of it. So I guess I would consider myself a pioneer in this space and rocking the white grass and playing with the puck and warmups and interacting with fans was something I was very keen on. And, that was my warm up. Some guys need to go out on the ice and do a thousand sprints or whatever they do and get their self going. Like for me, it was like feeling the puck, feeling the flow, get ready to go out there and dance and put on a show and, and win a game. Like that's how I, you know, kind of warmed up. And that was my mentality. Yeah. That's, that's my big memory of you. Like, like the early days of YouTube, you know, you're watching CAD videos and all of a sudden somebody sends you a video and like, dude, you got to see this guy. And I was like, I don't know who the hell this guy is, but that was sick. And I hope, and I just want to watch his career and hope he does well. So it was, it was amazing to see that that was what, like 15, 14, 15 years ago that you're pulling this stuff off. And now kids are doing now nowadays too. 
now every kid does it. You know exactly, what I mean? Like, yeah. like you said, pioneer is crazy. Like, I mean, I, I, I played a little bit and I still can't stick hand. I coach these kids and I could skate <laughs> and I could teach them that, but you know what I mean? To do it to well, toe drags. I can, I could toe drag, but you know, some all these five-year-olds <laughs> are picking up the puck and I'm like, yeah, are right. you kidding me? <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's, it's a whole other dynamic <clears throat> of the game. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's on its way. It's here, I think. And, um, it's interesting, you know, it's an interesting time in the game. It's, it's, it's going to be a lot more about entertaining because the fighting's out of it. You know, that's, that's a huge void. I mean, think about it. The game was kind of, I wouldn't say built on that specifically, but it was a huge piece of it, uh, for a long time. You know, people came to watch the war, yeah. um, you know, definitely. And that's, that's kind of going away. So as far as like a business standpoint, you know, they're going to need something with it as far as entertainment. There's, you know, you see the NBA with the dunks and, um, other sports have different ways that, you know, of entertainment. And I think through our sport, through our game, this kind of stuff is very entertaining. And it, it speaks to a lot of these young kids that are now doing it. Like you said, I've, I've been in shooting lessons with kids exactly to what you said, Cal, like come in and they couldn't really shoot properly or at all, but they could pick it up on a stick. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you got this backwards. I'm like, time out, time out, time out. Like, I'll help you with that stuff. But like, let's get first down to the basics, right? And we're going to get, you know, how to shoot first. And then we can learn how to, yeah. you know, Zorro or whatever you want to call the new terms of it. Uh, Who, who's the guy you would have looked up? To, like, I mean, again, you pioneer is a perfect word, but like, I guess Kovalev maybe before you, like, was that a guy that was, that you'd be looking at? I love Kovalev. Yeah. I was a big fan of Kobe. Uh, he was nasty. So oh, yeah. skin dangles and he could snipe, you know, I loved his everything. He was white skates, white jets. Yeah. He had to flow Beautiful, with white man. jets. He was awesome, man. <laughs> Um, I looked up to him for sure. Him Forsberg was a guy I looked up to. I didn't play much like Forsberg, but just the way he controlled the puck. But Colby was definitely that flair guy, entertainer, um, nasty, and he had the puck on a string. Yeah. No, that's uh, that's great. So I don't know. I could, uh, we we could we've probably taken a lot of time here. You know what I mean? And it might yeah. be best to kind of bring you on to, to talk about some of your European experiences, but um, I guess just like, what, so what are you doing now? I, obviously I'm, I'm sure you're still involved. Uh, I see sick logo on your hat. You want to tell you. us about that? And yeah. So I started an online coaching uh, platform and, and I brought on uh, about 20 coaches right now. Started with 30 coaches plus, and now it's around 20 coaches, but we have uh, we work with the players through their game film. And it's, you know, right now I'm working with a U 12 player. So when I first started, I really didn't know where I was going to land with the age bracket. It's more about, you know, if you have game film, I'll take a look at it. And if it's possible for me to work with you, it's like there's some cases where the players come on board or they come on to want to work. And it's more like they have to work on that individual stuff, skating and stick handling, um, you know, a certain level. But you know, again, you have a U 12 player. He's unbelievable. Six skills. Um, what we do is we go through the game film and we create, uh, you know, teaching clips in their game film and them, them in the situations, show them what they did, right. What they did wrong, what they could do better, what to look for and kind of help them with their hockey IQ, so to speak. I know it's a buzzword, but it's really important. Uh, we have a million uh, private coaches these days, which is great. It's helping the game skill level develop. Now, uh, I think the skill level of the game is at a place where it's, it's at all time high. Like we just talked about the six, seven year olds that are in the room, picking the puck up and doing these skill, very skilled things. Uh, we're seeing now 14, 15, 16 year olds, very, very skilled. The hockey IQ is kind of not that where it has the skill level has gone. The hockey IQ needs to come up and, and have an understanding of where to use this stuff and what makes sense. So the hockey film was, or the game film was where I thought would be the best fit. 
as we can't be as coaches can't be everywhere at once at the same time. So this gives us a chance where anywhere in the world players have film, uh, we can go in there and do a session with them and help them out and show them where they're going right or going wrong, so to speak, and uh, put it in a video library for them for them to have that and they get to watch it and keep it as their information. Um, so it's been a lot of fun and getting back in the game in that way. Um, <clears throat> again, I work with pl pro players in Czech Republic and Germany. Uh, I've done some stuff for some pretty high end NHL guys. And uh, at the same, in the same breath doing stuff with 11, 12, 13 year old kids. So it's, it's been, it's been a lot of fun and it's, that's kind of how I envision it. I want to have an impact in the game, not just the pro guys. I want to help yep. the youth players. And then we, uh, a big passion of mine was the women's game and helping that development, helping that growth. So Love we it. had some great players on Amanda Pelkey, uh, Rebecca Johnson, uh, Brianna Deckards, uh, Ben Lahovey. There's some great girls, great women's players on there. Um, to help develop that, you know, and help them grow the game there as well. So same kind of concept, obviously just to the girls game. Um, not to say that it's one or the other, but I just wanted to have it be a way where if a girl were to come on the platform, they could have that mentor, have that, you know, idol of theirs, so to speak, be the one coaching them. And uh, I think there's a lot of value in that for both the, the you know, the, the mentor part of it. And again, the idol part of it, but also the women giving back to the, the, the girls game and helping that growth. And it's mm -hmm. something we'll try to make it theirs and have a, have a lane in that space. And, 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 you know, it is a business. So to make money for their knowledge, cause they are, they're brilliant. Uh, Blake Bolden, Amanda Pelkin, these girls are getting a chance to, to get on some calls with them and see how they see the game and hear them talk about the game and, they're brilliant. They're, and their passion for the game is, is, is even higher than the men's for sure. The girls, the women are, are driving for, for the Olympics four years straight. They're nonstop, 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 you know? Um, so their, their passion is, is unbelievable. So I, I was hoping to have an impact in that side of the game with the women and grow the girls game out and, as a girl, so that's amazing. You know what I mean? Like, that's the one thing I'm so excited about. She's only yeah. three or almost three, but uh, that's just something, obviously you want to see that, you know what I mean? Which is amazing, man. So I commend you. That's, that's, that's so awesome. Thank you very much. Yeah. No, that's awesome, buddy. That is awesome to hear. And yeah, like, I mean, we got, uh, I'm, I'm a girl dad myself. It's clear. My daughter's going to be a better player than cows. No offense to anyone here, but, uh, I've already got her on the ice. So don't worry. She's better than me. She can lift the puck up all that stuff. Uh, but no, all, all jokes is I'd love to hear that. Um, that is amazing, dude. And just to hear that you're still so involved in the game in a couple different ways. I mean, clearly you have a ton that you can impart onto different people, whether they're pros, their kids, it's men, women, whatever. Um, you were a guy who obviously saw the game a little bit differently and have this skill that if you can translate a little bit of that over it's extremely helpful and it's amazing to uh to see that you're still involved so we love it rob and uh yeah we'll we'll link to everything we can get some uh, get some new eyes on the product over there we'll be happy to do it and uh like we said everyone jump on get your uh get your get your rob shrimp highlights going on youtube if you haven't done it in a while like we said you're overdue. You want to do it. But we always do like a name game. You know what I mean? I like to flip through, yeah. uh, I, I'm an 86 too. Okay. So I remember that draft year, you know what I mean? And the guy that we're missing, um, from that roster from world J's is cam Barker. Yeah. Right. right. So yeah. he, he's, so I played with him. I played with Revo, like in my minor hockey. So, um, I'm just going to drop a few names here just guys that I've crossed paths with and you've crossed paths with. And I just want like candid reaction, good, bad. You know what I mean? Anything yeah, you can yeah. find with these guys, Amy Vanderveeken from London. <laughs> Jamie Vanderveeken. No way. <laughs> That's a beauty, man. All he's an all time beauty. 
Yeah. I love that guy. Yeah. Do you want stories or you want just, just whatever you want, man. I, like I, yeah, there's take, one. Again, yeah. it's late for you, man. We don't want to take too much time. So yeah. No worries. Yeah. Share story. No, Vicar was a beauty that, yeah, he came to London from Ottawa for us. And he was, he was like a, just a big, big giant teddy bear. Like the guy was hilarious. He used to do this stupid thing with like horns. Whenever somebody was scoring, he'd be like, yeah. <laughs> He's like such a clown, but we had a blast together. His deer, did he ever do his like skate, like uh, his first time on the ice in practice? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Stiff yeah. legs and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We played against him in the playoffs even before he came to us. We were playing against him in Ottawa. And it's just the dumbest trip, but it like landed and it was all, we were all dying laughing. And he's on the bench. He's like, Perry, you fucking loser. You don't even drink, bud. You're a fucking milk drinker. We all know it. You're a milk drinker. <laughs> We're all dying laughing. This is punk chirping Perry. Like Beaker was a plug. Perry's the highest MVP of the year. He's called a milk drinker. It was, it was funny. We all loved it. You know, that chirp's probably out there a little bit more now, but that was the first time I ever heard that. We were all dying. Laughing. That's good shit. That's funny. Uh, Theo Peckham. Theo. Yeah. Theo's, yeah. Theo's a special, special guy. Yeah. Yeah. You would, he was kind of around the same time with Edmonton, right? So yeah. 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 And junior playing against him. He was at Owen Sound. I played, we had a lot of rivalry. I had a rival, like kind of a rivalry with this guy. He was trying to run me through the boards all the time, block yeah. all my shots. And he was a pain in my ass. And he, he was a pain in my ass when I played on his team too. Okay. So <laughs> I didn't stop it. <laughs> That's right. Um, I'm going to say Brian Pitten. Uh, goalie. Yeah. Brian Pitten was, yeah, he's a super nice guy. He's a great guy. Yeah. He was awesome. I remember him in Edmonton those training camps. Um, he Pitts was awesome. He was a really nice guy. He had no stories. He was, I thought he was very soft spoken. Good, great dude. Yeah. Um, I, I will say Cam Barker, just because again, you guys were kind of that, that upper class, you know what I mean? Of the 86 class. So, um, yeah, I think you could say um, you guys cross paths a ton, I'm sure. Right. So, yeah, we, we started crossing paths when I was 12. We were on the same team in Montreal. His dad was flying him up from like Winnipeg to, I went to that tournament. Went to that tournament, and the first time I saw you was in uh, Quebec, actually the the oh, really? tournament. Yeah, so we were there with uh, with Barks and Reeves and all these guys. So yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So that's I spent a bunch of time up there playing a bunch of games, and then uh, we had the same agency, IMG uh, JP Barry. So I met him at all the IMG camps when we were there in the summer. So Barks is an awesome guy. Yeah, he's he's a beauty. Yeah, no, that's uh, like I said, this is kind of the lighter stuff. You know what I mean? For me, this is yeah. honestly I like. T-Bone's a, he's a great host. You know what I mean? But for me, it's about going down the memory lane as well. Right. And, and yeah, some of those stories. So I, I love the reactions because I'm thinking the same shit you're thinking. You know what I mean? So it's, yeah. uh, <laughs> it's good. Yeah. That's man. hilarious, dude. Robbie, huge. Thanks pal. Um, especially staying up a little bit late with us here. I know being in Lafayette, it's a little later at night. So, uh, just a massive thanks for joining the pod today. All the best. We really, really appreciate it, pal. Thanks guys. That's awesome. I appreciate the time and, uh, good luck with the pod. If you have anything, let me know. All right, there we go. Robbie Shrimp. What a guy, what an interview and just another huge thanks. Um, amazing. Really, really happy that we got to chat with Robbie. Um, and that he got to share those stories. Another guy who we could have gone so many different ways with that interview, right? There's still so many stories left on the board. So maybe we get back in touch. We bug him again, see if he remembers who we are and decides to jump back on at some point, but, uh, just a pro. Thank you so much, Robbie Shrimp. What do you think there boys? Yeah, no, I just echo the same thing. T-Bone, like, you know, Robbie, if you hear this, thank you. Uh, any of our listeners, honestly, we can't tell you one, you know, how grateful we are to have a guy like that come on here, but also to like shout outs, deserve shout outs and 
the skill that this this guy has had and continues to have is unbelievable. Um, don't be surprised, you know. <laughs> again, I always joke that the kids now can do more with the puck than I could ever have done. So again, I, I cannot imagine what that looks like for you, T-Bone. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? How, how big that gap is. Unbelievable. But, uh, yeah, honestly, like, you know, a toe drag was uh, some, some crazy skill when I was playing oh, yeah. and Robbie was literally picking up the puck and yeah, the stuff he could do is just amazing. But yeah, great stories. Um, you know, guy played at all levels. The ultimate pro, you touched on it. What a what a guess. Picking up the puck and just whipping into the net lacrosse style. Not the kind of stuff you were pulling off in that peewee tournament, eh, Cal? It's funny you say that. So I touched on it quickly before, you know, in our intro about my time at the Quebec tournament. So if anybody knows me again, it's not about Cal, but I just want to give you a quick, quick rundown about me. I call myself the glue guy, you know, more of a penalty killer than an offensive guy. And so here I am playing in the Coliseum. We're playing the Snapple express out of New York. Okay. We're tied zero zero in this game going into overtime. Of course, it's going to a shootout. Okay, so here we go. Coach looks down the bench. He's got his three shooters. Cam <laughs> Barker, okay, notable name. I forget. I think Mace, Bryce Masick, this guy I played with, who was also like a stud youth guy, um, like lit up the league. And then Cal, me, the ultimate <laughs> captain. You know what I mean? Go to your, your reliable, I guess. I think I had one move at the time, so sure they put me in. And uh, talk about breaking a kid's confidence. Go down. <sighs> I didn't fumble it too bad, but you know what I mean? I was just choppy coming in. Puck probably rolled up on my stick. Make my move, miss the net. Like just a Ooh. terrible, <laughs> terrible, terrible. So as good of the experience I had at the Quebec tournament, as, as good as it was, I forever will have this memory uh, missing the net in the in the shootout where we ended up losing. So I think we lost in like the sixth or seventh round, but, but my attempt was just horrendous like i said there was probably 30 nhl teams in the stands and it uh, narrowed my window really quickly but Dude, with you, that being you, said you did the uh, you did the gordon bombay you did the gordon bombay five inches wide on the net that's 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 a perfect comparison honestly <laughs> not that triple deep glove side though i wasn't i know i wish i had that move but, <laughs> oh, yeah. but, but anyway so, so that kind of ties me into this so i know i think over our over our time together so far i've been able to share some little tidbits on my experience i think it's time that we uh we give the listeners a little bit of t-bone i think yeah. it's time for a t-bone story yeah we can do that i mean i was hoping at this point we'd be you know me and danny would be running running the table in our men's league hockey We'd have some good stories to tell from there. Obviously, that's not going down. So you'd mentioned before, you know, maybe come on, share a story of your hockey experience. And so I left it up to you. I said, what do you, well, you know, my stories, I got like three hockey stories and I'm garbage. What do you want to hear? Like you said, you want to hear about uh, something I, I alluded to in our early Instagram days, which was the time I was suspended for throwing a puck at a guy's head. That's the one. So, yeah. That's a good place to start. Good a place as any. Um, the kind of story you you hope your friends and family will all hear about one day for yeah. sure. That's like the T bone hockey player and a ball, right? That story it right is. there. It is. It's like well, you got to understand about me. So Cal was the glue guy. I'm the guy with very little skill, but who has the anger and temper of like a really good player. Like I think I should be good. So when something goes wrong, I get really pissed off out there, which is just ridiculous. <laughs> and I, I call guys out. And then if they call if they like take me up on it, I just like skate off. You know what I mean? Like if they call my bluff, I'm oh, getting yeah, the that fuck guy. out of there. I'm that guy. Oh yeah. So right. we'll go back. So this is actually incredible. So <laughs> it was uh last year of high school. 
all my buddies who were like really good hockey players, they were playing, you know, double A, triple A, whatever, which is fine. A lot of them just sort of stopped doing that and all just joined the house league that's near my high school. And we're like, let's just, we're going to have a year playing this house league. So like all my buddies, my whole grade from high school was playing out there, whatever. And, uh, actually might be fucking up the years. I think that's too late, but who cares? So it's, it's around that time I go out and I'm on the team in this house league team. I'm on with like the school tough guy, like my high school tough guy. I never forget this guy. His name was Matt Watts. He's older than me. So it wasn't last year, high school, fuck whatever. He's older than me by a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> it's got just that classic, like tough guy name, Matt Watts. Like I'll never forget that my whole life. Like I didn't want to look at this kid in the dressing room. because he's punched me up for no reason. Good hockey player. He's scoring all, all our goals. He's doing his thing. So we go out there. We're in the championship game. We had a great run and he gets into it with some kid on the other team. This like overgrown, like goon of a child, unlovable child, man. He and Matt Watts start going at it to get in a scrap. And it's dirty. Like they get in a fight, whatever they get pulled off They go to the box or sitting there and they're just beaking at each other the whole time between the benches, right. Going at it from the box. We're all watching all of a sudden this fucking kid on the other team takes the hand, takes a stick, rather two hands smokes Matt right in the face, like Jeez. from his box to the other. And then they spill out and they start going at it. And it's like mayhem. Parents are going fucking crazy. The refs are going at it. The conveners coming down, trying to get on the ice, calm it down. I'm on the bench. And I'm like, I, I got to do something here like this. I got to stick up for my guy here. So I'm like looking around, figuring like, what can I do? And I see there's a puck sitting here. So I'm like, all right, yeah, that's it. I'm going to fucking whip this puck at this dude's face. So, so I get it. I'm like waiting. He had no, no cage on at the time. And the ref had him on the ground and like literally in a bear hug for vibe was like hugging him down to the ground. The kid's face is just right. Like right in front of him. Like, here we go. So I'm ready to fucking cut this puck off his face. And as I'm doing, I'm like, this is stupid. Like you don't do this, but I'm like, ah, oh, whatever. I'm already winding up boys. Here we go. I whip the puck as hard as I can. Like sort of like a little, like you're skipping a stone, like a side sidearm kind of like, you know what I mean? And it skips off the ice, like an inch and a half away from this kid's face and like skips right into his face. Boom. Right in the nose. And he lets out this like hell scream, hell scream that immediately I'm like, Ooh, like that. I crossed the line. The ref comes flying over our bench. He's like, who, did this? who the fuck did this? That's insane. My dad <laughs> is on the bench behind me. And he grabs me by my jersey. He's like, it was this guy. It was this fucking guy. And I'm like, dad, what the hell is this? <laughs> Thinks me out. I get thrown out of the championship game. Completely deserved. And <laughs> the next year for house league, I just sit the first three games. which is just three weeks. You're not playing hockey because you only play once a week because you're a fucking loser. So that was it. That's the puck throw story. And uh, uh, I like that. Doesn't get much tougher than that, boys. But that's just a little insight. Yeah, good job. Didn't want to hop, didn't want to hop the boards there. You used to do what you could from the bench. What am I gonna do? Get well, that probably would have been less of a suspension. You know what I mean? Leave the bench and, and go try to help him like an actual man and uh, fight. Probably would have got a game for that, but uh, I'll take the three and, and the, the beating. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the shame, the shame of my father thinking me out to a official who's falling the ride home after that <laughs> i he turned it he changed his tune he was like laughing his head off in the car right home he's like that's ah, fucking awesome t way to go yeah great I'm like, all right yeah all right. thanks doug thanks paps yeah so we survived uh, but there you go a little little insight into the play style um we could bring some more of that out later i'll tell you about some of my classic chirps um including a few years ago when i asked a guy if he wanted to die on the ice yeah <laughs> 
that's he, a story yeah, for another day. Yeah. He was down to fight and then I was not. So yeah, <laughs> score one for him, I guess. But uh, yeah, I think we're going to wrap her right about there, boys. That's a good way to kick off the new year. A little bit of a uh, little bit of skill, a little bit of violence, get an insight into uh, Cal's historic youth career playing along Reaver and a few of the other Cam Barker, some of the boys amazing. So we'll hear more about that going forward. Again, follow along on Instagram. You know where to find it. No Flamingo Hockey on Instagram. Uh, check out our pals, Shinny and Co. They got some really cool stuff going on right now. Um, you're going to want to check them out. Yeah, keep the comments, keep the feedback coming. We appreciate it to all our listeners. And uh, yeah, we're very excited for some upcoming guests. So until next time. Oh yeah, bud. Bye. 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 <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay.